0: As hell and I wanna get Ill. So I go to a place where my chill. out there trying to make that dollar. I pulled up in Alright, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast.
1: I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot.
0: And this week we have, I guess we could call some of the movies. Um yeah it was uh most of them most of them there was there was one that kind of stuck stuck out that uh oh we'll say that one for the end because I think we're gonna have fun with that one uh oh, but we before are before we do we gotta eat our vegetables first so uh you didn't you got a chance to see free state of Jones uh, and I was busy writing errands so I didn't see it yet. So please let us know what this is. It's a Civil War drama documentary thingy or something. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, speaking of eating your vegetables, you're about to get a history lesson. Folks. Ooh. Uh, this is this is based on the actual events of what happened in Jones County, Mississippi. Uh, a, uh, a man played here by Matthew McConaughey. Uh, all deserves, right, all right. Yeah, all right, all right. He's just a good old Southern boy who's... Tired of fighting the I rich man's fight. Mm. He's, he's it's a poor man's war, but it's a rich man's fight. So Sounds I'm like gonna leave song. this. <laughs> I'm gonna leave this battlefield, and I'm gonna go home to my to my home and where I'm married to the beautiful Carrie Russell, and try and take care of my baby and fight against the southern plantation owners who are who are the real troublemakers here. So, oh loudy,
0: loudie, I do
1: declare. Mm. So yeah, he quickly finds himself an enemy of the state. Uh the the Confederate soldiers are, of course, uh, you know, they're drafting people into the army by force. They're coming around to people's farms and taking most of what they own, quote unquote, to uh to help support the soldiers. Of course that process is very corrupt and they end up keeping much of that for themselves. And, of course, the rich plantation owners aren't paying paying anything. So he's like, this isn't fair. Uh, and uh, he he finds himself uh, on the, the wrong end uh, of the law. And so he goes and hides out in the swamps with a bunch of runaway slaves. <laughs> and then he figures, hmm, I can train these guys to be kind of like a little Robin Hood band, and we can go and start, like, standing up for these poor farmers who are getting taxed to death. And we can start stealing these supplies back and giving them back to the folks. And, of course, other people start joining his little band of uh, uh, of, of rebels, and um, they they kind of find themselves in between fighting against the confederacy but they're not really fighting for the union either um so it's a it's a very interesting piece of history uh that quite frankly deserves a little bit better of a movie than this is the uh the movie while generally pretty good and matthew mcconaughey is is really trying hard and you can tell that he really believes in this um it's a little heavy-handed and it's very long and it's a little boring uh, the movie not only spans the the entire course of the Civil War, but then uh, has an extra thirty minutes tacked on that deals with what happens after the war's over with Reconstruction, which of course is a completely different set of problems and issues. Yes, there's still racism. the uh, the the black for- freed slaves that he was fighting with. Really aren't that free uh, because you have the clan coming in and uh the power structure you know trying to keep them down as much as possible um so it gets really depressing. This movie does not end well um and the major problem with it is every time it starts really getting going, there is a scene where they cut away to nineteen fifties Jones County, Mississippi with uh, one of Matthew McConaughey's great-great-great-grandsons, and he's on trial for, uh, for mis- miscegenation uh, because he's married someone, and the state is claiming, oh, well, his, his great-grandmother was a, a freed slave, and so he is one-eighth black, and he is not allowed to be married to a white woman um oh god a very interesting and and a true story um no i know so, that's what i was saying
0: oh god to cuz it's like it's yeah go go, go ahead
1: <laughs> yeah no totally but it, it, it's like they're it's it, it's that's when the heavy hands really come out and they're like punching you with them saying Racism is not something that went away 150 years ago. It's still here now, and it's like, yes, I know we get it.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, we they're, they're running for president right now.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I, I it's like if this movie would have been much better if it had, if it had just had a little bit lighter of a touch. Um, there are some really cool battle sequences, and if you're a real buff of uh, of Civil War history there's a lot for you to like here. Um, it's very gory, very graphic. Uh, this is like the saving private Ryan version of glory. Ooh. So yeah, you see people's limbs blown off by cannons and, uh, uh, lynchings and all sorts of terrible things that actually did happen. So I get why they went for the realistic violence here. Um, I guess it's kind of like
0: with, you know, 12 Years a Slave, how they were, you know, very, very um, brutal, and the the showing would happen there, too.
1: Yeah. Um, Ironically, the the violence towards the slaves was done, uh, you know, they didn't really go that route. So uh, there's some mention of it, but we don't see much more than, like, uh, one of the characters uh, received a whipping, and you see some, like, freshly... uh, you know fresh scars on her back but nowhere near as bad as the the scene with Lupita Nyong'o in 12 years a slave like yeah it's obviously uh but but the film opens with a a battle and the first thing that happens is the confederate general's head gets blown up so you know Fine. it it really sets the tone for the movie it's a real cheery film um it, that being said I, I I liked it more than I disliked it. Um, it's got some problems, but I, I think that this is worth seeing. But all of the wrong people are going to see this movie. The people who really need to see it will have no interest in it and have no interest in the message, uh, which is really too bad. So I'm at like a six and a half out of ten. Hmm. It's, it's Not pretty bad. good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, props to Matthew McConaughey. Props to the people who tried to make this and tell this very interesting story uh, that was actually true, um, but uh, this is this is unfortunately missable. Oh
0: huh. well, yeah. I've heard really mixed things on it. Uh, a friend of ours who's also a film critic uh, said he almost fell asleep during the middle of it. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely sounds like it's it's not a film for everyone, but definitely if you're a history buff and especially uh, if you if you like Civil War.
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Cool. So, onto something a little bit lighter, yep. uh, a lot lighter. <laughs> uh, it would be the shallows, which is uh, kind of saying it's it's not Jaws, but you could definitely tell that the people who made it were in love with that film because it kind of harkens back to a lot of some of the the tropes from that movie. Um, saw the trailers for this a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh god. I can't wait to go see this one, uh, but ended up actually being really surprised. Uh, this whole movie uh, is carried solely on the shoulders of Blake Lively. Uh, who I always Mrs. Thought was Ryan Reynolds? Mrs. Ryan Reynolds, yes, who I always thought was a pretty decent actress, but yeah. you know, much like in uh Castaway, how Tom Hanks has to go it alone, and the whole movie rests on his performance, it's the exact same thing here. I mean, yes, we do have a couple people show up as extras and – But they're in the movie for all of maybe five, ten minutes. But the story is uh, Blake Lively plays a young uh, med school dropout named Nancy and whose mother just uh, recently passed away of cancer. So she's kind of trying to find herself and kind of relive some memories from her mom. And she remembers this photo that her mom took of this private beach in Mexico uh, where she used to go to surf. And it was when she learned that she was pregnant with her firstborn baby, Nancy. So she decides, hey, I'm going to go try to find this place, kind of relive some memories and go surfing and have some fun. Uh, So she goes there, she goes to this private beach, goes out in the waves, have a blast surfing, and goes out to to, to have one last wave before she comes in, and she gets attacked and bitten by a great white shark. So she's, you know, this thing's chasing her through the water, and she scrambles over and finally lands on this little tiny rock outcropping that's actually coming up from the sea floor, because as the tide goes out... Uh, It lowers the waters, and this little island appears. So now she's stuck there, bleeding profusely, 200 yards from shore, uh, and as time goes by, the tide starts coming back in, and she's got to figure out a way to survive, considering that in a couple hours, she's going to be dumped back in the water with this crazy shark. Um, So the one thing this movie does really, really well, uh, it plays off your fear of the unknown. Uh, The director is, I believe it's pronounced Yame Coletsera, uh, the most well-known thing he's ever done was House of Wax, which we only watched to watch Paris Hilton get killed. Oh, uh, that
1: was a great death, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, that was the only reason to watch that movie. I mean, we rented it from Blockbuster. That's how old this movie was, uh, just to watch Paris Hilton die. Uh, but he has this great thing where he'll be filming her above water, and then the camera will keep on going under the water. And every time it does, you're like, oh, crap, is it there? Is it going to be there? And you're just it's it builds tension like crazy. Uh, and it's not until, I'd say, the last the last third of the movie that you really start seeing the shark more. Obviously it's a CG shark, but it looks great and it's menacing and it definitely has the whole jaws. I'm out to get you type thing, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely got some good jump scares in it. It uh, drives tension like crazy and Blake Lively does a fantastic job. Like it's, it's worth seeing just for her performance. Not that it's Oscar worthy, but it's really great to see a movie where the whole thing has to hang off one person's performance and they knock it out of the park.
1: That's awesome. Uh, yeah,
0: and one of the best things I can t- say about this movie, it's only 87 minutes long. So it c- comes and comes and comes, and then it goes away. So it's perfect length. Uh, a couple quibbles I have is that the ending really goes off the rails. It kind of turns into like a survival horror movie where you've got the final girl versus the big bad Jason or Jason Voorhees type character with the shark being the bad guy. And it, it's just kind of weird and doesn't really make sense with kind of how realistic the movie had been beforehand. Um, and the director has this really weird thing of uh, when she's on her phone or any kind of uh, communication device, like it shows the screen of what she's looking at like next to her head. And eh, that didn't really work. Uh, and then lastly, he loves slow-mo shots the same way that Michael Bay does. So there's way too much slow-mo in this movie to, to for any you know sane person to have. But, Those are minor quibbles. This is a lot of fun. This is the best thing I've seen this week. Uh, I'm at an 8 out of 10, so if you want something just kind of fun and, you know, kind of scare your brains out for a little bit, uh, The Shallows is the way to go.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. That's always, like, um, I never really played the Far Cry videos that Uh much, but it, like, whenever I'm watching, like, gameplay videos online of, like, people who who are playing it, and then they're swimming, and out of nowhere, there's a shark that attacks her. You're like, oh, no, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it
0: just—it's really cool because the—the the scene where she gets attacked is she's on this wave, and you all of a sudden you see the shadow of the shark come through the wave and just knock her over. Oh! And wow. you're just like, ah! But it's no, it's it's fun. It's it's nothing special. It's not going to be a movie we're going to go back and watch over and over again. It's definitely not Jaws, uh, but it's fun for what it is. And you know, we talk about summer popcorn movies. This is a quintessential summer popcorn movie
1: yeah there's there's go in and turn your brain off and and have a good time, and then there's Independence Day, regurgitation resuscitation <laughs> resurgence resurgence I,
0: I have part. not flipped off a movie screen as I walked out in a long time
1: <laughs> yeah, that was really terrible this this is the movie that. It, it it's not even go in and turn your brain off it's like please to have a free lobotomy before you watch this or <laughs> that's else. exactly what I was about to say was hey, go get your frontal lobotomy
0: done and then you can go in and you go yay that movie
1: <laughs> yes Ugh. if you like this movie i'm sorry you liked a bad thing um adam let's let's talk about this in the context of the first independence day which which you kind of like and I, I don't like, but Holy. I don't I don't hate. I'm the just first, like oh, that's a thing.
0: Yeah, I remember the first Independence Day. I think we all remember the marketing because that was just it went haywire and it was mm-hmm. it was kind of like the the first time I I mean I saw planes flying around with banners saying you know what is ID for and all this kind of fun stuff. And so the, this, the first one holds a special place in my heart as a really bad movie that I love dearly because it's, it was kind of like part of my childhood. Uh, it's, it's not well done. It doesn't hold up. The special effects look dumb as hell nowadays, but it wasn't, it was a movie you could just turn your brain off and have fun with. And I can still do that nowadays. Uh, this, this movie, it's almost like I just, I told someone asked, like, I was like, is it that bad? I'm like, do this, go see the first one again, punch yourself in the nuts and you'll still come out ahead as if you, instead of going to see this movie, like it's that bad. It's yeah, it's the first movie all over again. I mean, beat for beat. And, yep. you know, even using some of the same lines that make oh, absolutely no damn sense. Like, they're getting attacked by the aliens, and someone says, there will be no peace. And then they die. And it's like, what? That That isn't even... That's, that's like Transformers 5 when he's like, where's your warrant? He's like, my face is my warrant. I mean, it's that bad of dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's the first one over again, beat by beat. And...
1: There's but just, yet it's yet somehow enjoyable. so much worse. It's like it's like they took the first one and, and sucked all said, the joy out of it. Yeah, it's like what was fun about this? Okay, let's get rid of that. It's like I can understand why people like the first one. It's it's mindless dumb popcorn. It's it, it's not a good movie. Um, it, it was the first movie I ever felt like really went for the like fan service sort of route and like we have to make sure that like this thing happens and there's a payoff and and then Will Smith gets to say a catchphrase and then uh we do like a a zoom push in on someone's face as they say something dramatic about this is what we have to do and you know it's lazy stupid filmmaking that ushered in a like 7 to 10 year period with a lot of lazy stupid blockbusters it's like we had independence day then we had con air and we had um, I believe in
0: that movie for uh, transformers as well
1: yeah exactly all the way all the way through the transformers movies and i mean the the whole rise of the fact that that Michael Bay and Roland Emmerich and uh, Uwe Boll uh, and Paul W S Anderson like had careers and made multiple multiple movies that made hundreds of millions of dollars. It, it's like we just kind of sat back and said, "Well, now we're just going to make and eat crap for like over a decade." and and we're still kind of doing it. It's it's not that like Hollywood was always like the bastion of like amazing smart films. I mean, we've we've done dumb things in Hollywood for a long time, but it never seemed like Independence Day uh and and like the the Bay uh and Bruckheimer movies after it just like kind of said, "Okay, no, this is what we're doing now." Yeah. So, um yeah, the Independence Day resurgence. I mean, I just... They telegraph exactly what they're going to do from the very beginning of the movie. And there's no surprise. There's no joy. Well, no. If
0: you've seen the first movie, you've seen this movie.
1: Yeah. It's like, and... like, So someone said to me, oh, well, you know, I sometimes like to just go see stuff get blown up real pretty. You don't even get that like no I, i'll compare this to another really dumb terrible roland emmerich movie 2012 which had some fantastic scenes of destruction for like and it went on like 20 minutes it was crazy and um and stupid to to the nine stupid oh yeah but it was but, fun but stupid at least Yeah, but we don't even get that much here. It's, like, inexplicably... Okay, so the alien ship is coming in. It's 3,000 miles wide.
0: Oh, and I'm going to go off on that in a second. So, but continue.
1: Yeah, and it creates its own gravity. It's so big, right? And so, as it's coming into the Earth, somehow it starts over China and picks up half of a Chinese city... And then when it lands, it dumps the wreckage from the Chinese city on London. Like, uh, I'm not even saying, like, I quibble with your movie physics. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, see,
0: they can control their own gravity with a flick of a switch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's no. more thought
0: than they put into what happened in that scene. That's that actually would give them credit if they actually said, "Oh, it can reverse polarity." They didn't even try. They just like, eh, this is going to happen. Go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the ship. Oh, uh, the ship just like magically sucks things up towards it and then drops it. And it's like, and you don't even get the joy of like a long drawn out, cool looking destruction of London. Or a massive tidal wave hitting New York, which they could have done, but it, 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 they didn't even do that right. It's like you had one job, movie. You had one job. <laughs> it would have been more forgivable if there would even been that payoff. But no, instead, it's Judd Hirsch trying to outrun a 30-foot wave on a tiny little boat.
0: I'm gonna get back to him in a second too. Uh, that's like so, actually, let's let's
1: take that now. So,
0: Judd Hirsch, you know, it's it's uh, Goldblum's dad in the movie. is yeah. he's on a boat and he's trying to outrun this wave. And okay, magic happens. He's discovered by these four little kids who lost their parents. They think in the ensuing chaos, and so he takes off with them to go, you know, somewhere, assuming to find his son. And they then they run into they about to run out of the gas and they find a school bus and the school bus is full of kids who are afraid because their driver left. This is like fifteen, twenty minutes of the movie that that makes absolutely no damn sense. There's no reason for him to even be in the movie. His finding the kids and supposedly saving them have nothing to do oh and then he randomly runs into Jeff Goldblum while this, this alien queens is hacking. I was like, "Is there a point here? Is something going to happen? Or they just... Is he contractually obligated to be in this film?" And yeah, it, it's again, I can I can forgive stupid movies. that are turn your brain off, have fun. Like, look, Jurassic World was that way. It was a fun movie. It has problems. Yeah. It's not perfect, but yeah. you know, what? I had a good time watching it, and I can I can forgive that. Even the first Independence Day, I can give it that. Yep. But when I'm sitting back, like it's like what, it, like like you said, when it just picked up everything and then dropped it for no reason, like okay, you made a big point that it had its own gravitational field, and now you're just reversing it. You're just breaking your own rules for for laughs and giggles. Sure, whatever. And then, this 3,000 mile long spaceship. I think they said 3,000 miles because they're like, hmm, the other ones were as big as a city. What's bigger than a city? A continent! But, you failed to take into consideration that what it's doing is it's burrowing a laser into the Earth to get to our core, to drain it of its energy. That's Fine, I'll take that. Well, let's go with that. Okay. But the queen, her ship's in the very center of this 3,000-mile-long ship. They've got six hours to you know drill down before the thing drills down into the core and destroys the earth. I don't care how fast your ship is. It's going to take you one to two to three hours just to fly across the stupid thing to attack the queen. Mm-hmm. But then somehow, even though the queen's literally in the middle of this ship, when her ship takes off and goes towards Area Fifty One, because screw it, I don't care if you if this movie's spoiled, it literally like looks over the edge of the spaceship and drops off. It's like, yeah. but wasn't it? And again, it's these aren't even like I don't even care about plot holes. Plot holes I can deal with. I can just whatever. But I'm sitting back watching this like, dear God, like they just they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know why they're trying to make this movie. They're just like. We're going to take the first one, rehash it, and hope no one notices, but because we'll put the less talented Hemsworth in there, and he's dreamy. So maybe people will look at that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, he was pretty dreamy in this movie, but yeah, well, that, that, that aside. Um, the the other thing, it's like you mentioned how fast the Queen's spaceship would have to go to be able, to, or, or any of the spaceships, to traverse this thing. Yeah. Let's talk about Judd Hirsch's station wagon the the 70 station wagon with the wood paneling and they're trying to get from New York to Area 51 in Nevada or Utah somewhere out in the desert right which
0: they which they do in less than 6 hours
1: yeah they do it in less than <laughs> 6 hours and for some reason the gas lines around Area 51 are 2 miles long but somehow magically between New York and and uh Outside of Reno, hey, they've been fine getting gas, and, and there's no problem, and they've probably never had to refuel. I don't... Oh, it's just... This movie is... Like, plot holes are one thing, but this is just, like, they didn't even care. Oh, and what the hell was up with the African warlord? <laughs> African <laughs> warlord.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He literally goes in like Rambo and starts killing the aliens with machetes. And it works. Yep. Uh, because, the, well, the only, well,
1: oh. At least that makes sense because he supposedly, there was an alien ship that landed in the middle of Africa and they had to fight a ground war against the aliens because they were the only ship that didn't crash. And so they've had to like fight these guys because of course, like if, if Africa got screwed over by an alien invasion, of course the rest of the world wouldn't come in and help these poor people. It'd oh, be no, like, of course like ah, F them. F them. You know, just <laughs> the rest of the world is at peace, but we're still united in saying F <laughs> Africa and we'll let we'll let a warlord like take care of those yeah, aliens. I'm sure as, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. The the only the only thing I will say that at least brought a little bit of laughter to my face, uh was Brent Spiner comes back, you know, we thought he was dead as the crazy old dude oh. at Area 51, but no, he was in a coma for 57 years or something like that, yeah. yep. and he gets to come back and just be zany and crazy and walk around with an open hospital gown, and yep. at least at least he's having fun with the movie. I mean, you could tell yep. he's just there. He's like, I, it's like last thing I did was go to Comic-Con, so screw this. I'm making money, and I get to be a crazy person again. Yeah, That was at least kind of fun, but yeah, there's... I, ugh. I think
1: my favorite thing about all of this, though, was the lazy way that they did exposition, it's that conveniently anyone who had contact with the aliens is now has some sort of psychic bond with them. And in the same way that Bill Pullman in the first movie is like, I saw their plan. They're like locusts. And like now magically everyone has that power. And so they get a really bad headache and have a vision. And then they know exactly what's going on and explain it to the audience in case you weren't watching. (laughs) It's like, it is the laziest, stupidest exposition I have seen in any movie in a really, really long time. And I just, they may as well have just like put subtitles under there and been like telling you exactly what's happening because you weren't. You weren't listening. You weren't watching. You you didn't care.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe uh, maybe if I got really really stoned into it, I might have at least a decent time. But I don't smoke weed, so that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I just I I don't know what there is to really enjoy in this movie other than you know a couple little things like you mentioned like like manic crazy Brent Spiner or um you know Liam Hemsworth's beautiful face. Uh, I, well, if you would have yeah. if
0: you would have taken his shirt off, I would have given it an extra point, but he didn't yeah. do that, so
1: yeah, maybe. But maybe. so
0: yeah, this this sits with me. I'm at the same place I was where I with this where I was with neighbors too. Uh, oh no, actually no, I'm a little bit higher than this because I didn't actively despise this movie; I just hated it a lot. So oh, I'm gonna wow. give. It, I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna give it two points for Brett Spiner um, because he made me laugh.
1: Yeah. No zero. Uh,
0: <laughs> just. We talked about this yesterday. I was like, oh, crap. Here was my question yesterday. Would you rather have watched this or Pixels again?
1: Oh, yeah. Pixels. (laughs) I would rather watch Pixels three times in a row, even with the lazy moonwalking. With a stunt double. (laughs) Yeah, with the stunt double, because uh, I'd I'd get to see Josh Gad doing karaoke, everybody wants to rule the world, which is better than anything in this movie. Uh, Yeah, as terrible as Pixels was, as terrible as Fantastic Four was, I'd rather watch both of those movies again. And this is, for context, I'm going to say nice things about Michael Bay for a minute. Uh, 13 Hours, yeah, it was a pretty good movie, especially compared to this. Well, that's like saying it's the nicest turd in the punch bowl. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, essentially he made like, um, I'm going to steal this from from Jimmy Martin – uh, but uh, a Call of Duty the movie. I mean, if you if you look at it like that, as like I said that
0: you stole that from me.
1: <laughs> oh, I stole that from you. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, Adam. I'm stealing. You're it fine. Ball. I still love you. <laughs> um, but uh, that's that's what it was. It was American bravado and chest thumping and. Other than it being kind of dumb, uh, this it's the exact same way I feel about the Call of Duty franchise. So there you go. Uh, but I there is just nothing. This is the worst movie I've seen in years. Oh and wow! Yeah, I I actively despise this movie on a level that I have not disliked something in a long time. So yeah, zero. Uh, uh, so. I,
0: yeah. Oh, I, I can't, I, I almost kind of want, I wanted to go zero, I thought about it, and then the Brett spider thing made me made me smile. But, like you said, this is the worst movie you've seen in years, and still for me, the Fantastic Four just comes right up there and just bites up my ass and says, nope, nope, I still exist, and Miles Teller's an asshole, and I hope he dies,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> now that is true. Um, but Roland Emmerich really needs to stop making movies, especially given the, like, the things he was saying about the Marvel movies this last week. Oh, like, yeah. Dude, you're not allowed to talk. It's like, I get it that you have a different brand, but you don't... His get brand is talk. Crisis. <laughs> you don't get to call the Marvel movies stupid and then make Independence Day Resurgence. And talk about how they set it up. Of course they set it up for another sequel.
0: Oh. And and we'll probably get it because while it's not doing well here, it'll do big in overseas because this is a movie that, that they don't even need to really bother to translate in other languages because it's just things going boom and there is no subtext, there is no real plot even to speak of, so why would, you know, yeah, just let it play in English across the globe and no one will notice. So
1: I I wonder if they remade the ending to make the Chinese pilot the hero instead of Liam Hemsworth in Possibly for the Chinese market. Um that would be that would be a smart move. But I thought this was getting savaged overseas. I haven't I haven't seen I haven't looked at the international box office, but no. I've heard well, I I did think it
0: was it. cute that they, they did try to go for diversity because you know you had you had the good looking white people, you had the good looking Asian person, the good looking black guy who was Will Smith's son because Will Smith looked at the script and said, Hell no. Yep. Um, but then I thought it was cute that the only people who really had lines in the whole entire movie were the white people. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, yep. it, it's it's just bad. It's uh, it's I don't it's not diversity.
1: It. It's tokenism.
0: It's tokenism. Yeah, I'm um, surprised they didn't throw in a gay character just to you know be like, oh look, we got we got a queer in here too. Uh, but well, I, I guess I don't know. It was kind of alluded to that Brent Spiner and his friend were gay, kind of towards the end. Uh-huh. Um, oh, uh, cool. When his little, when his friend dies, like it was it was more of a scene between of a lover dying than a a, a good friend. But who knows? Um, I don't know. It's, I can't, I can't give it lower than I did because one neighbors two was worse and two, I didn't actively hate it, but don't go see this, please. Like I feel guilty because see, they didn't screen it for us. We had to go spend uh-huh. our own money to go see this yep. and I feel guilty that I even gave them $5. Yeah,
1: so
0: I stay away too. from this. If you need to see anything this week, uh, the shallows, again, a lot of fun, tense movie. And if you're a civil war buff, you've got free state of Jones.
1: So definitely have some still- of those. There's still so many other good movies out there, too. Oh, yeah. Captain America is still in a few theaters. X-Men is still in a few theaters. Like, go... If you want to go turn your brain off and enjoy a movie, go see X-Men. Like, uh, yeah, don't bother with this.
0: Yeah, so stay away from this one. And and if you go see it, shame on you. Uh, Especially after hearing our, our talk on it. But next week is actually kind of interesting because there's a bunch of different types of movies. So... You've got Swiss Army Man, which was the Sundance movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a farting corpse on an island, which Yay. I really wanted to see and didn't get around to, but that happens. Uh, we've got The Legend of Tarzan, uh, the horror movie The Purge Election Year, which seems to be becoming more and more prophetic as time goes on. Donald uh, Trump,
1: the movie.
0: Yeah, right? And then we've got uh, BFG, the Big Friendly Giant, so kind of something for everyone. It is a holiday weekend with the 4th of July. Uh so, happy real Independence Day, not happy Independence Day from what we just saw. Uh, but yeah, go go check out some movies. Should be some good stuff. Uh, but until we come back next week, hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass trippin', but it's alright. homie scored a key, he's gonna fly, punk ass fly.